Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to an undisclosed location. This is Murder Incorporated. I am Buddy. And I'm Harley. In Canada, the 51st state of the United States of America, during the early 90s, there was what seemed like an idyllic couple from the outside, but in reality, they were pure evil. The very same people you would trust to watch your children were raping, torturing, and murdering them. And with that, I'll leave it to you, Harley. All right, thank you, buddy. That was amazing, as always. Absolutely. An utmost professional. Of course, man. Anytime. Let's hear about these sadistic Mattel toys. Yeah. All right. So let's start with Marilyn Bernardo, who, after having given birth to a son and a daughter, began seeing a former boyfriend. Ooh, dun-dun-dun. Who got her pregnant. Ooh. And she gave birth to Paul Kenneth Bernardo on August 27th, 1964. Kenneth Bernardo, her husband, tolerated his wife's affair and is listed as the biological father on Paul's birth certificate. Oh, really? Okay. So, I think that he didn't really tolerate it as much as he didn't want anybody to know that his wife had had sex with her ex-boyfriend and gotten pregnant. Yeah, more than likely. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. in that situation, it's like if you're not going to leave her, you might as well pretend it's your kid. Yeah, I agree. So, Kenneth had his own difficulties, okay? He was abusive, right? Mm-hmm. To the whole, not, not really to Paul as much, but to his wife. Okay. He was abusive. Was he abusive prior to the affair, or? Yes, he was okay. not a good man. All right. He was not, and you know why, buddy? Why? Because he hung out around the neighborhood at night, peeping in the windows of young women. Oh, so he was a bit of a peeping Ken. Yeah. And, if that wasn't bad enough, buddy. He started to rape his young daughter. Oh, jeez. Marilyn, okay, she was like not a good mother, okay? She would be in the room while he would be like, they would be on the couch like watching TV. And he would be like groping his daughter like underneath the blankets. Oh, and, my like, God. Like right in front of her. Yeah. And then she would just be like. Like looking know, away like, yeah. like nothing's happening. She's in total denial. Wow. That poor kid. So, Marilyn was like, screw this, I'm moving to the basement. So, she moves into the basement of their house, and then just becomes, like, morbidly obese. Uh-huh. Like, you know, the people they have to, like, cut out of the house when they die. Oh, jeez. Like, big, big. Yeah, yeah. So, her depression over the situation must have just been overwhelming. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. She just gave up on life. Yeah. Completely gave up on life. Oh, that's so sad. She stopped taking care of the home and the children and just... Just gave up? Gave up into her own little world in the basement. Oh, man. Paul would not talk as a child, so they thought something was wrong with him. But he had something wrong with, like, his lip. Like and a, so he had to have speech therapy. Like and a then, cleft lip? Or yeah, or like yeah. a cleft lip, yep. Okay. yeah. So then once he got that, he was fine. Because okay. he was a smart kid. It's just they thought at first because he wouldn't talk, but it was just because of his lip. Okay. So once they got fit, that figured out, you know, he was fine. Yep. Okay, he was very handsome. 
like right from the beginning that's one thing that people said is that yep. he just caught your eye like he really was like a ken doll okay like if you see pictures of him which i'll post for everybody to see okay he's very handsome and um and he had many many girlfriends growing up okay well if he's a ken doll of course yeah and uh they spoke highly of him and they said that he was a generous lover Ooh, okay. Has anybody ever said that about you, buddy? You're a generous lover? Of course, man. I am a generous lover. Yes, buddy is a generous lover. I'm just a generous of everything. Yes, buddy is a generous person. <laughs> I disagree with whatever you say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Paul really seemed like he was going to make something of himself. I mean, he did good in school. He tried hard. That's mm -hmm. the thing. He really tried hard in school. And it seemed like he was going to make something of himself. He's highly intelligent. He worked hard. And he had after-school jobs. Like, he was, like, you know, a normal, successful high school kid. Okay. He had a very good head for numbers. And people thought he was going to be, like, a future businessman. Okay. When Paul was 16, he got into an argument with his mom. And she told him, quote, you are a bastard. And then showed him a picture of his real father. Oh, really? Mike drop. Jeez. I just put Mike drop there. <laughs> nice. So, and then he knew from as soon as he seen the picture, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's my dad." Yeah, he looked just like him. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a thing to drop on someone, you know? Yeah, really. I've never been in an argument. I'd be like, "You're a bastard." Okay. And and actually mean you're a bastard. Yeah, and be like, <laughs> yeah. "I have the proof right here. Yeah, you look exactly. just like this man." Yeah. Like, that's really horrible. Like, it just goes to show her mental stability was yeah. just gone, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody in their right mind would do that, mm -hmm. like, if they loved their child. That's horrible. And this was devastating to Paul. Yep. I mean, he's 16 years old, so it's a long time to go thinking that... That, that your dad is your dad, and then, nope. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I got to give his dad credit, though, for as much of an asshole as he was to Marilyn. I mean, he took care of the family. He took care of a friggin' son that... Wasn't, wasn't even his. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, something to be said about that. Not much, but I mean... I mean, he was raping his daughter, now that I think about it. I just, like, totally forgot not, for a second that he was raping his daughter. Yeah, I'm not giving him much credit. <laughs> I'm definitely not oh, giving yeah, him much credit. Right, I'm not giving him any credit. I totally <laughs> forgot for a second that he was raping his daughter. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering where you are going there. I was like, I'm not giving him any credit. I don't care what he's doing. <laughs> I was wondering why you were, like, being so hesitant. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> not a left matter here. <laughs> so after he found out about this, he openly mocked and taunted his mother. He called her slob and okay. a whore. All right. He was kind of uh, right on the uh, head with those two things. So Yeah. I mean, he wasn't lying. <laughs> so between his mom's infidelity and his father being, you know, a pervert, he hated both of his parents. Yep. I could see why. I think that was warranted. Yep. Paul's attitude in general towards women in particular changed dramatically for the worse after this. Mm-hmm. You see this a lot when a mother has been promiscuous and ends up in a divorce. Yep. That the person will end up hating women in general just because of this. Yeah, yeah, I've absolutely. seen this happen to friends in high school. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. After high school and a little bit of college, Paul started work at an Amway, hmm. which, buddy, is not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> okay? I just want to... No, it's not. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Their financial plan is a trapezoid. Very oh, different. Oh, it's a trapezoid. Okay. Very different so, from so a the, pyramid the, scheme. There's no, there's no, there's no top. There's no, there's no like tippy top. It's just a flat. Yeah. Okay. Very okay. different yeah. from a pyramid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
which made nine billion dollars last year. <laughs> There's a lot of suckers out there, really. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's like says it's not a pyramid scheme. Yet a trapezoid is basically a pyramid without the top. I yeah. just want to say that for folks <laughs> that don't know what a trapezoid is. <laughs> Paul wasn't going to end up getting rich through working at Amway. But what he would learn is techniques to manipulate people and basically being a better psychopath in hiding. Okay. Shortly after leaving Amway, Paul studied at the University of Toronto. There, his sexual fantasies had developed a dark side. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. So the way he liked to have sex, buddy, is, you know, some people like to lay your woman down and, you know, gently caress her. He was more into the, like, hold her down and forcefully anally rape her. A I little bit he, different. I thought he was a generous lover. Um, this was in high school. He's in college. This is ah, college, Paul. Ca- college changes people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jeez, dude. He that's took rough. Some, he, he took um, philosophy and it changed him. <laughs> oh, man. That's horrible. He's just the type of person that they find women that are submissive. Okay. And then they take advantage of it. Yeah. They find you are become what that woman is missing. Yeah. And then you take advantage of it. Well, I mean, he had the... Uh, Obviously, he looked like, you know, the, the typical, uh, did he look like a jock? Yeah. Yeah, he looked like a jock. So, so he obviously looked really good. He could probably get any, any woman that he wants. So, he could probably get that woman to do basically anything that he wanted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, he probably had a lot of uh, opportunity to do whatever he wanted with women. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Definitely. So. And he also began beating up women at this time. Oh, great. And many women came forward to publicly attest to this. Yeah. So this is not hearsay or I mean he did do this. Yeah. It's crazy to think that somebody that young just is like really that evil. It's really crazy, you know? That's horrible. How old is he right now? I mean he's gotta be twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very in young. college, so he's pretty young, yeah. None of these women in college would scratch the itch for him though, that he's so badly needed. No. Not yet. Uh oh. After graduating, he got a job at an accounting firm. A very prestigious counting firm. Not Amway? Not Amway. <laughs> Paul seemed to be on his way to a life of good fortune and success. This would not be the case, let me tell you right now. Yeah, I got a feeling that, you know, Ken's not going nowhere. Because at this point, he says, you know what? I got the job. I'm going to start raping women. No, oh, great. This is where it really goes downhill. Oh, okay. In May 1987, he followed a young woman home. And then right in her front yard, raped her. Are you kidding me? For 30 minutes. Jeez. Violently, anally raping her, forcing her to call herself horrible names. Are you kidding me? Like he would make her be like, I'm a whore. I'm a slut. I deserve this. Jesus. I mean, I'm not trying to be too graphic here, people, but rape is bad enough. But to be forcefully anally raped. Imagine what that entails. It's yeah. very, very violent. Yeah. Oh, my God. And this would be his M.O. for his entire raping career. That's horrible. Paul Bernardo attempted his second rape, which was unsuccessful. I'm going to skip around here to different rapes because there's so many of them. Uh-huh. And they're basically, uh, there's no names of any of these women. So okay. it's basically the same thing over and over and over again. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do the highlights. Okay. I'll give you the highlights. Joy, the highlights of rape. Okay, so his third rape attempt was unsuccessful. 
Although he beat the young woman up. Hmm. He did not continue to rape because she fought back. So good for her. Good for her, yeah. But he, he likes them easy and he likes them easy and submissive, I guess. Yeah, definitely, buddy, definitely. So in October 1987, buddy, buddy's out trick-or-treating in the mean streets of wherever in Pennsylvania buddies come from. And Paul Bernardo's at a bar with his friends when he meets Carla Homolka. Instant chemistry, everybody said. Instant chemistry between these two. Okay. That same night, they ended up hooking up in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. The nightmare slash fairy tale that would be their relationship was just beginning. So here's where we meet Barbie, huh? This is where we meet Barbie. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Barbie, this despicable human being. Carla was born May 4th, 1970, in Ontario. She had a Czech father, Czechoslovakian Mm -hmm. father, who was a traveling salesman. And he was pretty successful, you know, like middle-class family. Okay. Carla was described as a bright child with an IQ of 134. Oh, well. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Which will be important to know later. Okay. So she was also described as a good kid, a pleasant kid to be around. One thing that I found that was one time her and her best friend made a parachute for a hamster. And then Carla threw him out the window. (laughs) Jeez. Which I thought about doing that, not with a hamster, but I thought about doing that with a pillowcase when I was a kid. You know, I remember vividly like thinking about it. I never did it, but I always thought it would work. But with with a hamster, with with no, no, just like using a sheet or something, you know, and making out with yeah, making our own. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm balling. I never did it, but I mean, I always did it with army guys, but they always had you know the actual parachutes where you. Throw, the, throw them out. Yeah, I remember yeah. those. Those are sweet. <laughs> yeah. I do remember those. I do remember those. Those are awesome. Yep. Wrap it around and then you can throw you it. Throw them out. I do remember yeah. those. <laughs> Talking about Mattel toys here. Yeah. I don't know if those are Mattel, but. <laughs> Sponsored by Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Not really. We will take that sponsorship, Mattel, yes. if you're listening. <laughs> Call us. You can email us, Mattel. At murderincorporatedpod at gmail.com. Or, or Twitter us at murderinkpod. Or you know what? If you want to see some interesting, interesting stuff, Mattel on Instagram, go to Murder Incorporated Pod. Yeah, you know, we even got some YouTube stuff too. Yes, we do. So the hamster died. Needless to say. Oh yeah. So the poor, poor Fluffy. He was loved by all. You know, he had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And he died. So later, you know, the normal thing to do is what, buddy? No. You wait a couple weeks and you dig up the hamster. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, I do that with all my dead pets. That's what Carla wanted to do. And her friend said she just stood there. She wanted to see the how the body decayed. I mean, I, I guess I can understand that if you wanted to be like a, I don't know, if you were interested in decomposition or something. Like, I could see the science behind it. Maybe a little Victor Frankenstein here, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like if you look at just that isolated incident... Mm-hmm. It's like, not a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. when you know this person goes on to be like a horrible serial rapist yeah. and killer, yeah. it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. was just a sign of things to come. Yeah, exactly. Yep. This started her life. She had a lifelong obsession with death mm-hmm. and seeing death mm-hmm. and her love of animals. Are you sure it's love? No, she really did love animals. Oh, okay. She became a vet tech. Oh, really? Hmm. She started reading Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew mysteries at the age of 12. Oh, so she was interested in the uh, 
I don't know if they were murder cases. They were more yeah, of a... like crime books. Crime books, yeah. She was obsessed with crime. Okay. As she grew up, she became, like, harsher in her ways, and she, like, would enjoy scaring her friends. She also became, like, wanted to be a witch. Oh. And she, like, like Wiccan? To, yeah, or, okay. like a Wiccan, okay. like that. Yep. She's basically just about psychopath stuff until she meets Paul. I mean, this gotcha. is what she's up to. Okay, yep. just imagine a psychopath kid, and then she meets Paul. Yeah, yeah. Match made in hell. Speaking of Paul, December 1987, while in the relationship with Carla, Paul commits his fourth rape. Ah, good old Paul. Against a 15-year-old. Oh, jeez. This rape lasted an hour, buddy. Oh, my God. Oh. This person really, to this day, must be like, I, I just can't imagine. Yeah. That, you, how do you live with yourself after something like that? Oh 15 years old is so young. Poor girl. Like, you're getting your first boyfriend. You know what I mean? You're, like, getting, yeah. kissing a guy for the first time, and then all of a sudden you're getting viciously, anally raped. Yeah. Your, your innocence is just ripped away from you by this horrible man. That poor girl. Yeah, it is horrible. Mm-hmm. None of these women, I could find their names. I mean, they must just be so traumatized. Yeah, I mean... I mean, uh, everything goes, you know, my heart goes out to all these women. 100%. You know? Oh, my God. 100%. I can't even imagine. Like, we both have daughters. Yeah. And this is, like, truly the nightmare. Truly the nightmare when your daughters leave the house. Absolutely. The following day, the Toronto Police Service issued a warning to women in Scarborough, traveling alone at night. They said, beware, especially near bus stops. Oh, really? So this was, like, his hunting grounds. He would see somebody on the bus follow them home, and then rape them. So we're seeing, like, like public bus stops, as in... Yeah. Not like school bus stops. No, not school okay. bus stops. Okay. December 23rd, 1987. So this is pretty quickly after. Yeah. Bernardo commits his fourth rape. Wait, I thought that was his fourth rape. Or fifth rape, sorry. Okay. <laughs> you want to start that again and just say... Yeah. yeah. December 23rd, 1987. Bernardo committed his fifth rape. During this attack, Bernardo raped the 17-year-old at knife point. It was at this point he began to be referred to as the Scarborough Rapist. Scarborough Rapist. Okay. October 4th, 1988, Bernardo attempted a seventh rape. His intended victim fought him off, but he stabbed her twice in the thigh. Oh, wow. And the buttocks. Jeez. Not very deep, but it required 12 stitches, so I don't know how deep that is, you yeah. know, but it's yeah, a stab wound. I mean, exactly. I just can't imagine, I, like, I really, every time I'm reading this, like, this is like the 80th time I've read this, and I'm like, yeah, this is unbelievable, yeah. buddy. Like, it really is unbelievable, like, the damage he's doing in this area to these women. I mean, this is not New York City. I mean, not everybody knew about this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a bigger metropolitan area, but it's not New York City. I mean, these these people were terrified, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So November 17, 1988, Metro Police formed a special task force dedicated to capturing a Scarborough rapist. All right, good. So that's good. August 15, 1989, Bernardo commits his eighth rape, and this was the time it was against a 22-year-old woman. Oh, wow. This is almost a year later, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is also a couple rapes later. He had stalked her the previous night from outside her window of her apartment. Then he waited for her to arrive home. This particular vicious attack lasted two hours, buddy. Oh, my God. What the hell's wrong with this guy? 
he couldn't get enough of it. Like, it. I mean, it's always about control for the rapists. Yeah. But for him, it was he was a sadistic rapist. It was about seeing the pain, the, whatever he could do to humiliate these women, to degrade them. That's what he got off on. It's like he just hated women so much that he just wanted to just torture these innocent women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had no, no respect for these women. So where was Barbie when he was doing all these rapes? Because he's with her, right? Yeah, he's with her. They're just living their best life. She, at this point, does not know, supposedly. Okay. Does not know that he's a Scarborough rapist. Okay. She knows he's into some kinky stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, like, they, but the thing is, is that whatever he asked her to do, she was down for. Yeah. She was completely submissive to him. Whatever he was into, whatever sexual kinks he wanted to do, she never said no. Oh, it was like yeah. his perfect women. Yeah. May 26th, 1990, Bernardo commits his 11th rape. Jeez. 11th known rape. Right. So I'm sure there's more. Yeah, yeah, of course. Every rape, I don't know what it is, but it's like only like one in five rapes is even reported. So Yeah, that, that's that's a sad statistic, you know. I mean, that really is. Like, let's talk about that for a minute because that's so sad that that women would be scared to come forward because, A, they don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. That the guy is just not going to be prosecuted. Yeah. Or B, that he will be prosecuted, and then they're going to have to go through cross-examination. Yeah, and they got to feel be humiliated over it and just have to relive it, essentially. Exactly. You know, it, it, be re-violated. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of want to forget it when it's it shouldn't be that way, you know? No. It's, no. it's that's, that's tragic. It's a situation where there's no gentle way to go about it for the victim, because you need the victim to prosecute that crime. Yeah. yeah you can't prosecute a rapist without the victim. You, there's no crime there. No, I so. mean, defense. any d good defense attorney would tear that apart. Yep. So it's like they have to relive it in order to get justice. It's so unfair. Mm -hmm. But this time, buddy, she got a good look at him. Where before it was always from behind. Oh, really? She got a very good look at him. Okay. And two days later, the police published... A photo of him in all the newspapers around there. Oh. Very, very good photo. If you see this photo, it's like, I wouldn't say dead on. Yeah. But like, if you were a friend of his or you were so, you'd be like, that kind of looks like Paul. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I think. Okay. So they were receiving many tips about Paul. All right. Ex girlfriends mm -hmm. that seen the picture and thought, hmm, hmm, he was into violent sex. And now this guy that kind of looks like him is raping women. Mm. I better call. Yeah. So yeah. this was not like one or two people that called. It was like his friends were calling. Oh, really? Like people, because he, he bragged about doing, not raping women, but how he would violently overtake women sexually. Oh, yeah. So things are adding guy. up. Things are adding up. Then. Yep. So he was interviewed by two police detectives. Okay. And Jennifer Galligan had gone to the police, an ex-girlfriend, several times about Paul regarding his brutal rape of her his physical abuse of her, and his threats to do her even more harm. Oh, really? Yeah. There were coincidences which tied Bernardo to the rapes also. Okay. They were going out at the same time, okay? The rapist drove a white Capri, and so did Bernardo. Mm -hmm. Bernardo lived in the vicinity where the rapes took place. A report was filed. Nothing came of it. Really? Yeah. They interviewed him, like briefly interviewed him, and he's like an accountant... You know, he's doing good for himself. He's white. That helps. He looked, you know what I mean? Like He just had all the charm. He had everything going for him. So it, 
Yeah, there is yeah. St- studies that have been done. If you are a good-looking person, you could get away with murder. Yeah, that's a good-looking white person. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works. If he had been that's... some broke black guy, even if he hadn't done it, you yeah. know, if they interviewed him, they'd be more. Yeah, that's... but it's like psychologically, even if you are trying to do your best as a police officer, you're thrown off by somebody that's very charming and very good-looking. That's implicit. You think, Why would he need to rape? Yeah, that's implicit bias. Yeah, we all have it. In it. It's that's so sad. It's sad, very sad for these women, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's horrible. And it's very sad for what's up what's up to come. <laughs> All right. So between May and September 1990, the police had submitted more than 100 DNA samples. And this is at the very infancy of DNA. Yeah, I was going to say this is well before. They just started yet. using mm-hmm. DNA in 1989. Yeah. I think, and almost positive. It was 1989. So this is only a year later. It's not like now where it's like, Two days later, you get, it takes weeks and weeks just to test one sample. Yeah, yeah. So you have a hundred, so he's one of hundred to, or if it was more than a hundred, it was like 130. Yeah, okay. Samples to go through before they would even, you know, get a hit. And he was like so charming, they didn't put a rush on it. You know, they're just like, put him with the rest. Yeah, that's so sad. Even though all the evidence is obviously on this guy. Yeah. He was also called in. By his best friend, okay, Alex Smyrnas. Okay. But there was a reward out. And the Smyrnas guy came off as, like, sketchy and just wanting the reward. Oh, really? So they didn't even take him seriously. (laughs) Really? If they had taken him seriously, like, he told them how he talked about how he liked rough anal sex. It's like they just didn't, they were totally buying whatever Paul was feeding them. Oh, my God. But they did interview him. I mean, they interviewed him. The interview lasted about a half an hour. And they asked Bernardo why he thought he was being investigated for the rapes. He said, because I look like the composite. I mean, I do. But he was a well-educated, well-adjusted, congenial young man. And he couldn't be responsible for these vicious attacks. Of course not. He just had it all going for him. They didn't want to ruin his life. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Exactly. And this this guy, he's just out for the reward, they thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm not going to hate on the cops because it's not like they caught him red-handed and let him go. Right, right. I yeah. mean, this he's one of many people that was getting it's called all, on. It's all circumstantial right now, so they got nothing. And he's one of many people that is in the same situation. It's not like yeah. he's their only suspect. Right. He's one of hundreds, so it's like... Yeah. At this point, I'm not going to hate on him. I will hate on him later, but I'm not going to hate on him as much Okay. Now. All right. So now, Carla's, like, working at a pet shop. She befriends a girl, a 15-year-old, Jane Doe. This girl's never, okay. does not want her name released, so I'm just going to call her Jane Doe. Okay. For now. Yeah, absolutely. She invites her over for a girl's night out. And after a nice night of shopping and dining, Carla took Jane Doe to their apartment. Oh, no. Give her alcohol. Mm-hmm. With Halcyon in it that she stole oh, from her work. Jeez, Halcyon is like a sedative that they use for they're doing like surgery on an animal. Yeah, you know they'll. But I mean, this is they'll give it to an animal that's being monitored. Yeah, and the the amount is exact. Where she's just giving this girl. Oh my god, this Halcyon to knock her out. So after Jane Doe lost consciousness, Carla called Bernardo. To tell him she had a surprise wedding gift ready for him. Oh, my God. So they together 
undressed the girl, who was a virgin. Oh, no. And Paul videotaped Carla as she raped the girl before Bernardo vaginally and anally penetrated her. Oh, my God. That poor girl. I just can't even imagine the situation. Oh, my God. The next morning, Jane Doe woke up. She was nauseous, but she believed her vomiting was just due to drinking too much for the first time. She had no idea that she had been raped. Are you kidding Thank me? God, actually, probably. Yeah, she so had no she, idea. She didn't even know? I don't know how, but she had no idea. I want to cry right now. <laughs> I know, it's horrible. <laughs> she was invited back in August to spend the night. And they thought they were going to do this all over again. She stopped breathing during it. Homoka called 911 for help, but then called back to say, oh, everything's all right now. Oh, really? So the emergency crew was recalled without a follow-up. Really? Nothing. Like, if you accidentally call 911, like, you could possibly now, nowadays, get a cop right at your house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but they just, okay, everything's fine, everything's fine. I don't know how it is in Canada, though. I, I don't know either. I mean, yeah. I would imagine it's got to be about it's the same. The they same take thing, it seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not this time. So Jane Doe visited the couple one more time on December 22nd, 1992. This time, Carla pressured her to have sex with Bernardo. Oh, really? Well, she was awake this time. But she did end up giving him a head. But then she left. She got, like, upset. She, like, started to give him a head, and they got, like, emotional and... But they were pressuring her, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, come on, just touch it, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Being very, very sneaky and... Man. And these are evil, evil people. Yeah. And so, by 1990, by 1990, Paul was spending a lot of time at the Homoka family home. And they liked him very much. Oh, yeah? I mean, he was the perfect man for her daughter. Yeah, of course. You know, he Barbie had a good job. Yeah, Barbie and Ken... He was engaged to, you know, their daughter. But he flirted constantly with her younger sister. And he hadn't told them that he lost his job as an accountant. Oh, really? So now to make money, instead of being a successful accountant, he's smuggling cigarettes to the U.S. border. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> smuggling? Had... Wait. They're the 51st state, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know what the heck's going on here. You know, <laughs> this might have been a little bit before they became the Fridge for Ah, that's right. <laughs> this is only 1990, buddy. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so he had become obsessed. We love you, Canada, just Yes, so you we know. do love Canada. <laughs> but we got to bust your chops because we have no life, so it makes <laughs> yeah. us laugh. We just, we're just envious of you, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, really, we really are, too. He had become obsessed with Tammy Homoka, okay. her younger sister. You'd be perving at her through her window, entering her room at night while she was asleep and masturbating. Really? Yeah. A sick man. Carla helped him by breaking the blinds in her sister's window to allow Paul a better chance of catching a peep. Jeez. What a sick couple. Yeah, it's really, like, insane, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> in July, Paul took her, Tammy, across the border... To get beer for a party. While there, Bernardo told his friends and fiance, Yeah, we got drunk and made out a little bit. Unbelievable. Wow. And this guy is really just a he's a pedophile, he's a rapist. I mean he's like everything bad you could be. Yeah. 
He hasn't crossed the line of murder yet. Oh, no, not yet. July 24th, 1990. Carla laced spaghetti sauce with crushed up Valium she stole from her work. <laughs> the Martindale Animal Clinic. She served dinner to her sister, who soon lost consciousness. Oh, jeez. So Bernardo began to rape Tammy while Carla watched. Her own sister. Yeah. Her own sister. Uh. So, buddy, it gets better, though. I mean, they straighten out, you know. Oh, wait, no, actually, six months before their <laughs> 1991 wedding. Carla Homoka stole the anesthetic drug halothane from the clinic. On December twenty third, nineteen ninety. Don't these don't they keep their drugs locked up? Like, what is wrong with the shop? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, she was a trusted person, though. It's not like yeah, I guess you're right. She's some drug addict on the streets trying to get stuff. She's like a, yeah. you know, nobody knows that she's evil. Yeah, I guess you're right. Homoka and Bernardo administered sleeping pills to the fifteen year old in a rum and eggnog cocktail. After Tammy was unconscious, Homoka and Bernardo undressed her. Carla applied a halothane-soaked cloth to her sister's nose. So she douses this in halothane, mm-hmm. this cloth, just sets it on her nose and mouth to keep her unconscious so that she'll keep breathing it in and keep unconscious while they both, oh my God. both rape her. Oh, my God. You know what the best part is? They're like, why not videotape it? Oh, why not, right? Yeah, that, that, that's just, that's what you do with all your rapes, right? Especially if it's your sister. Yeah. Especially, you got to get that on tape. You, you need memories, man. You yeah. need memories with your family. I mean, wow. Some people take videotapes of like, you know, like kids' first walk. Yeah, your family vacation. Yeah, family vacations. But they wanted to get this under the young dad. So you know memories. what, Carla's just yeah. Carla's just a nice, a nice lady. You know what I mean? She's like, I want. I'm not a virgin, which bothered Paul. Because oh, really? he was, he loved virgins. His his dream, he said, was to have a virgin farm, where at any time he could just grab a virgin and pop her cherry. That was his dream. Yes, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> so she could give Tammy's virginity to Bernardo for Christmas. Bernardo was disappointed, you know, because he wasn't Carla's first. With Tammy's parents sleeping upstairs, <laughs> the pair filmed themselves as they raped her in the basement. Oh, my God. Tammy began to vomit and started to aspirate. So they supposedly tried to revive her and then called 911. But what do they do first, buddy? They got to hide the evidence. So they dress Tammy, move her into a bedroom, and then call 911. Oh, my God. A few hours later, Tammy Hamoko was pronounced dead <sighs> at St. Catherine's General Hospital at 15 years old. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, buddy. Unbelievable. So she killed her own sister. Two days before Christmas, she killed her own sister. After raping her on tape. So despite Carla and Paul's very odd behavior, okay, so this is like, this I do blame every single person involved, okay? They get back from the hospital. What do they start doing? Cleaning up the evidence in the middle of the night. The parents don't think anything of this. They're doing laundry, vacuuming in the middle of the night. And After their sister just died. Yeah. And there's a chemical burn on Tammy's face. What? Niagara Regional Coroner and the Homoka family 
accepted that that she had just drank too much and aspirated into her lungs and died. That, that, and then they said, well, what's this burn on her face? Paul said, well, I dragged her to the bed. What? And that's what caused it. It must be a rug burn. Why did he drag her to the bed? And Exactly. It makes no sense. But they bought it. I mean, I can understand the parents buying it because they're like, nobody wants to believe that. In your head, that would never be in your head. That uh, yeah, you yeah, know, like, yeah. I mean, the plausible deniability, I guess. Not, not but not even to, just that. Like, um, but just just not not wanting to believe that your kid could be doing this to your other yes, kid. To your other kid, absolutely. But not the police. The I mean, the, the, no. <laughs> and they have to have something like this. They have to have two coroner's reports. So yeah. they both said, eh. well, the one was a little suspicious. But then Paul answered his question about the burn, so he's like, okay, accidental. Happens all the time to kids. Yeah, that happens all the time. No. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, my God, dude. The pair subsequently filmed themselves with Carla wearing Tammy's clothing and pretending to be her as he raped her. What the hell is wrong with these people? They also, at this time, I might not have mentioned this before. I think I did, but they moved. they were living in the house. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I didn't mention it, but at this time, they move out of the Homolka house to a rented Port DeLuise bungalow because they didn't want them in the house. They didn't want Paul in the house while they were grieving. I don't know if they knew something was up or what, but yeah, like at the funeral, he's like just staring, staring at her in the casket and like rubbing her arm. And people what were the, like, what the hell? Like, people thought it was weird. So I think that had something to do with why they're like, maybe it's not good, Paul, staying here while we're grieving. I'm guessing. But, oh, my God. These I mean, it's a little creepy. family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't imagine knowing that your one child that you love and raise and cherish could do this to your other child that you love and raise and cherish. Oh, man. I'm disturbed right now, man. I told you you would be. <laughs> This is messed up. Yeah. I'm sorry, listeners. I hope you're having a good time. Early in the morning on June 15th, 1991, Bernardo took a detour through Burlington. That's halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines. And he would steal license plates because until he get across the border, he would steal license plates so that it wouldn't be like the same license plate number. Popping up, going across the border for the cigarette smuggling scheme. Okay. This is where he found Leslie Mahaffey. Okay. 14-year-old. Oh, my God. Had missed her curfew after attending a funeral and was locked out of her house. Oh, jeez. The worst part is she called her other friend to ask if she could come there and stay the night because her parents had locked the door. She couldn't get in. Yeah. Her friend's like, no, it's too late. My parents will be mad. Oh, no. So she's like, I'll go back and wake up my parents then. Oh, no. And that's when he got her. So Paul approaches her and tells her that he was just looking into breaking into a neighbor's house. That's why he's like around or whatever. He was looking to break into another house? He was really stealing license plates. Yeah. And unfazed, she asked if he had a cigarette. And as he led her to the car, he wrapped a sweatshirt around her face. Forcing her into the car and drove her to Port Deloise, where they lived. Then he informed Homolka that they had a playmate. Uh. This is horrible, buddy. 
Bernardo and Homolka subsequently videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing Mahaffey, all while listening to Bob Marley and David Bowie. Oh, man. Now I, can't, now, now I can't even listen to those two. I love Bowie. That's exactly what I was thinking when I wrote those. I love Bowie. <laughs> At one point, Bernardo said, You're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job. The next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. What a sick man. And on videotape, he's torturing these women, and then he's urinating on them <laughs> and threatening to defecate on them. Oh, and my God. he actually God. stands over him trying to defecate on them. What is wrong with this guy? Yeah, it's horrible. Mahaffey's crying out in pain, just begging Bernardo to stop. Well, he's sodomizing her. And her hands are bound with twine. Later, because Mahaffey knew, like, if this blindfold falls off and I see them, I'm dead. She just knew it. So her blindfold's, like, coming off and she's like, she's like, oh, please put the blindfold back on. Put it, put it back up so it doesn't fall off, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's smart, at least. The following day, Bernardo claimed... Carla fed her a lethal dose of Halcyon. Mm-hmm. Carla claims that Bernardo strangled her. The pair put her body into their basement. Either way, she ended up dead. Yeah. Jeez. This is a tough one, man. Yeah, this is a tough one. And then, in the basement, they dismember Mahaffey. Oh, jeez. They go to the store and buy cement, dozens of bags of cement. And they put each of her parts of her body, they cut the legs, the arms, the chest, the head off, mm-hmm. and then encase them in cement. Okay? And the receipts for this would come back and bite them later. Bernardo used his grandfather's circular saw to cut up the body. They made numerous attempts to dump these cement blocks in Lake Gibson, but they made them too big, where one of them weighed 200 pounds. Oh, wow. And Carla's not a big girl. She's like a Barbie girl. Yeah, they, they couldn't move him. Paul's a pretty big guy, though. He's probably like 6'2", I would imagine, you know, but not not big, just tall. Yeah. You know, he was like kind of length, lengthy or, you know. Yeah, not able to move that much. 200 pounds is a freaking lot, even yeah. for a big person to lift and yeah. to be able to throw into the water. Yeah, they might as well just leave the body. Well, that's exactly what they do do, buddy. They leave the cement by the shore, What the piece that was too big. <laughs> We're a father and son on a nice fishing expedition. And they discover it on June 29th, 1991. Leslie Mahaffey's dental records were used to identify her. Wow. On the afternoon of April 16th, 1992, buddy, Bernardo and Homolka were driving through St. Catharines to look for potential victims. It was after school hours on the day before Good Friday. As they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, They spotted Kristen French, a 15-year-old, walk into her house. The couple pulled into the parking lot nearby, and Homolka got out of the car, pretending to need assistance with, like, a map, Mm -hmm. being like, oh, can you help me with directions? Mm -hmm. And as French is looking at the map, Paul grabs her from behind with a knife and forces her into the front seat of the car. So from in the back seat... 
Carla's like pulling her hair down, keeping her in the seat. Can you imagine the scene? Yeah. 15 years old. Yeah, that's horrible. I, I just, I can't even imagine this. Kristen took the same route home every day, taking about 15 minutes. Soon after she should have been home, her parents became convinced that she had met with foul play. Yeah. Like immediately, you know, that feeling that some parents get, like... Yeah, it's that instinct. Within 24 hours, Niagara Regional Police, the NRP, had assembled a team and searched the area. Mm -hmm. They searched everywhere. They did a really good job. And this is so sad. Uh. And they found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different aspects. Oh, really? Thus giving the police a pretty clear picture that she was taken. Mm -hmm. In addition, one of Kristen's shoes re was recovered from the parking lot. Oh, really? It made it clear that it was an abduction. Yeah. I just is like every parent's nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. It really is every parent's nightmare. Oh, my God. I just can't imagine the scene where he forces her into the car and then Carla is grabbing her hair. For, you know what I mean? Yeah, like just terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Over the three days of Easter weekend, it's like this stuff always happens on the holidays with yeah, these two. It's like their little gift to them, you know. Paul and Carla videotaped themselves as they tortured, raped, urinated on, and sodomized Kristen French. Oh, my God. Forcing her to drink large quantities of alcohol to behave submissively to Paul. <laughs> At Paul Bernardo's trial, the prosecutor said that Bernardo always intended to kill her because she was never blindfolded and was capable of identifying her captors. This, was the, this is the deal, okay? When it comes down to it and they're in trial, mm -hmm. Paul wants to say that Carlo killed him. Mm -hmm. Carlo wants to say that he killed him. The thing is that he never killed anybody till he got with Carla. Yeah, that is true. Carla he was talked, just a rapist. Yeah, Carla talked about with her friends before she was even with Paul how she'd love to draw a million little dots on a body, on a person, then use a knife to connect the dots, and then pour vinegar on the body. Really? I mean, she was so, sick before she ever even met him. So she was the murderer, he was the rapist. I mean, we don't know, I think. Yeah. I think that he was definitely into the rape and the torture and all of that. I'm not trying to, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But she 100%, I think, is the reason that these women died. Probably. You're because right. from her point of view also, it's like, oh, now you're having sex with my man. Even if it is rape, you must die. Yeah, of course. A little bit of jealousy there. Yeah. Yeah. The following day, these monsters murdered Kristen French before going to the Homolkos for Easter dinner. <laughs> Jeez. How can you sit with your... How can you sit with your family anyway after that? Like, I have no idea. That's just psychopaths. I mean, that is a true... <sighs> psychopathic mind that compartmentalizes situation and just goes for your dinner. Yeah, just forgets all the evil stuff you did and you can just sit down and have dinner with with your family and the people you supposedly love. And Unbelievable. Hmm. Bernardo says that Carla beat her with a rubber mallet because she tried to escape and that Kristen ended up being strangled on a noose tied around her neck and secured to a hope chest. Jeez. Immediately, Carla went to fix her hair. <laughs> Gotta look like Barbie again. Homoka testified at her trial 
that Bernardo had strangled French for exactly seven minutes while she watched. Wow. So Kristen French's nude body was found in a ditch on April 30th, 1992. Wow. Not far from the cemetery where Leslie Mahaffey's body is buried. Really? The body had been washed and the hair had been cut off. It was originally thought that the hair was removed as a trophy, but really it was to hinder identification. Really? Yeah, they thought that if they cut off their hair, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's what they said later. Okay. Now that Carla and Paul were living and murdering in St. Catharines, the police investigation centered in Niagara Falls area. Okay. After the death of Kristen French, the Ontario government formed the Green Ribbon Task Force. Okay. Hotlines and a base of operations were set, and they asked for a um, profile by the American FBI. Mm-hmm. And when, when Kristen French was abducted, a woman remembers seeing a struggle going on at the car at the scene. This is important. While she was not familiar with various, you know how women are, they don't know cars. <laughs> okay. She thought it was a Camaro. Okay. So they began looking for Camaros. They put mm. it on the TV that we're looking for a Camaro. It wasn't a Camaro. It wasn't a Camaro. Mm. Meanwhile, Bernardo's name surfed once again from the many tips that police received. But this is a different police force. You understand? Yeah. They, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they went to Paul's house for a chat. Paul was very gracious and polite during the interview. Good old admit, German Ken. Yeah, he admitted, yes, I was, a, I was a suspect in the Scarborough rapes because I looked like the picture. What do you want from me? The police noted that Paul was very clean cut and good looking and that he was intelligent and cooperating. Mm-hmm. That's a quote. <laughs> they, also drew, they also said that he drives a Nissan, which looks nothing like a Camaro. <laughs> a they, Nissan and a Camaro, those are way too different. And there's also a thing where... People trust a married man more than they would an unmarried man. Yeah. He has a wife, you know. Like, like why would he rape anyone? Why would he murder anyone? Yeah. It's un- unbelievable. Wow. Nevertheless, okay, I got to give him some credit here. The two policemen tried to contact the Steve Irwin, who was the detective in Toronto, to ask about the results of the inquiry into the Scarborough rapist. Mm-hmm. Took him eight days to respond. And he explained that final testing of Bernardo's blood and saliva samples had not been done. Thus, technically, really, Bernardo had not been cleared as a suspect. And how many years has passed? It's been like a year and a half. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it takes a long time. At this time, it does take yeah. a long time. But it, it's like, if they, he could have been the 99th one they were going to test. It wasn't in any certain order. Yeah, I hear you, but it just... It's, it's, it's so tragic. It's tragic and just... There's so much evidence that pointed towards him. You know, it's like he should have been number one to test. Yeah, I mean... Don't get I me mean, wrong. I don't want a Monday Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Whatever they call it. But yeah. come on. I mean, twice this guy's come up. Yeah. Both areas he lived in, there's freaking rapes going on. Yeah, exactly. It's And it's, then people are murdering... Everybody he knows is calling about him, saying he's a freaking violent, violent sexual yeah. offender. Yeah, it's like time to connect the dots. Come on. I mean, really, really. My freaking four-year-old daughter could have solved this case. I mean, yep. <laughs> Jesus. But there is some hope, buddy. Well, that's good. 
At least we got some hope. Finally, February 1993. Several years after the blood samples have been taken from Paul, the forensic laboratory in Toronto finally got around to analyzing his blood. Finally. The test proved conclusively that Paul had raped the three women from whom they had semen samples. Finally. And then when he goes to put them under surveillance, find out that he's been, what? Charged with an assault charge by his wife, Carla. Really? He's already in custody. Oh, wow. Good thing. Huh. So this is when Paul was like, things were really escalating, okay, between him and Carla. Okay. These murders are happening. Uh Uh-huh. He becomes very violent with her. Okay. He hits her over the back of the head. Just imagine this. With a flashlight so hard that her brain hits her eye sockets and gives her black eyes from the inside out. Oh, my God. I, mean, I can't even imagine that. Jeez. You don't even see that in, like, football games, guys no. getting hit. So he must have really smashed her. Yeah. So she goes to the hospital, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Know, yep. And she presses charges. Mm-hmm. So he's arrested. I'm surprised she pressed charges. I mean, with all the stuff that they've done... Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I I don't know. Like, I think she was really scared of him. Yeah. Regardless of the insane things that Carla put up with from Paul, physically abusing her pushed her to her limit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> because it's like, yes, we're evil together. We're supposed to do evil upon others, not each other. Yeah. Yeah. I exactly. think that was kind of her. Yeah, that was that was her thought process. I guess. I mean, I'm guessing. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not no expert, but she didn't leave him still. <laughs> In January, though, in 1993, her parents intervened, and they persuaded her to come home, you know, get away from him. Mm -hmm. The Niagara police were brought into the situation and took Carla to the hospital. Okay. This was all before, you know, that Toronto had the forensic evidence to convict Paul as a Scarborough rapist. Yeah. In early February now... The police investigation of Paul intensified. Both the Toronto police and the Ontario Green Ribbon Task Force wanted to interview Carla. Okay. They also wanted to fingerprint her and question her about a Mickey Mouse watch that she was wearing. It was very similar to the one Kristen French was wearing when she was taken. Really? Interesting. Isn't that just creepy? Like It's like one of those scenes in a movie where you're like, the, de- the, the detective's like, oh, my God, it's them. You yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that really happened, but, I mean, it's got to be like... Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a little eerie. Eerie, that's the word I was yeah. looking for. Eerie, so eerie. Yeah. Initially, several Toronto detectives interviewed Carla for five hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, now they're questioning her. you got to think about this. She's separated from Paul now. Mm-hmm. She's a- away from that situation. But they're questioning her. And in her head, she's like, oh, they're tying together the Scarborough rapes with the murders in St. Catharines. Yeah. So she wants to get ahead of this. Yeah, she thinks she's going to get away and just blame it all on him, huh? So she ends up telling her Uncle Paul that not only was Paul the Scarborough rapist, but that he killed Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. Oh. The hammer's going to drop, buddy. Yeah. So Carla gets ahead of all of this, okay? So yeah. instead of her being the subject of the investigation along with Paul, she's going to be the, she's the battered victim. wife. Yeah, she's she's, she's the, the victim. victim in this whole thing, yeah. 
Yeah. She gets herself a real good lawyer. Mm-hmm. As a veterinary assistant, Carla had taken special care of a dog of a lawyer, George Walker. So uh, well known. Okay. Over a period of many interviews with Carla, George realized that she was not necessarily the innocent victim of Paul Bernardo that she painted herself to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really didn't understand at that point like what her role had been. Right. He just knew that he was not buying her story. Right, okay. What did she want? She wants complete immunity to testify against Paul. Oh, of course. That's that's what they all want. This makes you want to cry. Like, it really does. This is so horrible. Uh, be prepared. But he didn't know that if he could get her complete immunity, but he's going to try. Of course he's going to try. He's got to do what's best for his client, right? Well, yeah, that's how it works. In mid-February now, Bernardo was arrested in conjunction with both the Scarborough rapes and the murders of Mahaffey and French. Okay. On February 19th, police executed the search warrant for Paul and Carla's house and found an amazing amount of evidence. Okay. Paul had written a description of every one of the Scarborough rapes. Oh, really? Plus an extensive library of books of videos on sexual deviation, violent, violent pornography, and serial killers, of course. Huh. 170 days he searched his house. What? Yeah. 170 days they searched Something his house? Something like that. Like 150, 170, yeah. They, they, they searched his house. That's like almost half a year. Yeah, yeah. It really is. The poli- They just knew there was something they were missing. There was something they were missing. The police also found one brief home video that indicated that there had been one more victim in the Bernardo household that Jane Doe when they taped her. Yeah. They didn't know who this woman was. Hmm. The short video showed Carla as an enthusiastic lesbian in sexual acts with two other women also. A week later, George Walker and Murray Siegel, a plea bargain specialist for the Attorney General, mm-hmm. discussed the deal for Carla. Okay. Carla would get 12 years in prison for each of the two victims. 12 years, that's it? And the sentences would be served concurrently, buddy. What? That means at the same time. Yeah. So she would be... Wait, 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 wait. So she would get 12 years for each. So she's only serving 12 years and that's it. Yeah. That's a hell of a lawyer. Guess what? She would be eligible for parole, buddy. When? Three years of good behavior. She would only serve three years? She could. She could only serve three years with good behavior. The government even agreed to contact the parole board on Carla's behalf, pointing out to them the importance of her testimony against Paul. But she... And, buddy, this is the best part. They're going to even try and get her to serve her time in a psychiatric hospital instead of a prison. Oh, my God. Because she's she's been horribly abused by Paul. Yeah. Anything that she did, 100% was because she was so terrified for her life, buddy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. I'm buying it. That was sarcasm in case you couldn't get through. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> in exchange for this leniency, Carla would agree to tell the absolute truth about her involvement in the crimes. In exchange for this leniency, Carla agreed to tell the absolute truth about her involvement in the crimes and everything else she knew about them. The absolute truth, huh? Carla agreed unconditionally. So if she got caught lying about anything, then the deal was off. 
and this is this is in print, so no matter what she says. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if she says whatever. It doesn't matter. She gets the sentence. No, no, I'm saying if if, if she testifies and then she's found to be untruthful, this, the deal's off. Right, right, right. But so she can just so she as long as she's being truthful. Yeah, this is her sentence. This is her sentence. Yeah. In early March, Carla was checked into a psychiatric hospital for assessment. She was given heavy doses of drugs and then insisted on being given larger doses because she had been self-medicating already. <laughs> Eventually, Carla got up the nerve to write a letter to her parents. Would you like to read this or hear this letter, buddy? Um, yes, for the viewers, absolutely. Dear Mom, Dad, and Lori, this is the hardest letter I've ever had to write. And you'll probably all want, hate me once you've read it. I can imagine. I've kept this inside myself for so long, and I just can't lie to you anymore. Both Paul and I are responsible for Tammy's death. Paul was in love with her and wanted to have sex with her. He wanted me to help him. He wanted me to get sleeping pills from work to drug her. He threatened me and physically and emotionally abused me when I refused. No words I can say can make you understand what he put me through. So stupidly, I agreed to do as he said. But something, maybe the combination of drugs and the food she ate that night, caused her to vomit. I tried so hard to save her. I am so sorry. But no words I can say can bring her back. I would gladly give my life for hers. I don't expect you to ever forgive me, for I will never forgive myself. Carla, XOXO. XOXO. Of course. I call bullshit. Unbelievable, right? That's horrible. Can you imagine reading that? That's that's it's like, that's tragic. That's like, wow. oh god, this drives me nuts, dude. Yeah. Carla's trial was, to say the least, a media frenzy. Yeah, I can imagine. So what they do is she has this deal, but then all the evidence is put out, and it's like a trial, even though you know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. The deal is already made, but it's not. It must be different than in America, where you have a deal. There's no trial if you have a deal. I'm guessing this is how it goes um, because this is how it went. Yeah. Okay. Her psychiatric report helped set the stage for the plea bargain deal. Doctor Good Old Malcolm, the psychologist, concluded that Carla knew what was happening, but she felt totally helpless and unable to act in her own defense oh, okay. or in anyone else's defense. Yeah. She was, in my opinion, paralyzed with fear, and in that state became obedient and self-serving. I don't buy even a single word of that. No, I don't buy it at all. No, I, I, she, she did something to that doctor to get him to write that. She's a psychopath. She has a 134 IQ. She's mm-hmm. very smart. Yeah. Very cunning. I got to give her that. Yeah. Very definitely. cunning. At the end of the trial, the media people left, and they were only allowed to report a few of the details, so they put this... On lockdown, buddy. Yeah. Because they didn't want to taint Paul's trial. Yep. So they could not even report anything, anything about it. Only American journalists could. Oh, really? Yeah, so they could not say anything that happened in the trial because they didn't want to taint it for Paul. They don't have a freedom of the press in Canada? They're allowed to do like a like a lockdown, temporary lockdown until Paul's trial is over yet. Gotcha. Expecting a public outcry over the plea bargain... Murray Siegel chose to make a statement. You want to hear it? Absolutely, let's hear it. Why not a greater penalty 
in light of these horrendous acts. Well, without her, the true state of affairs might never have been known. A guilty plea is the traditional hallmark of remorse. Her age, her lack of criminal record, the abuse and the influence of her husband, and her somewhat secondary roles were factors. She's unlikely to reoffend. Yeah, right. I don't buy it. Oh, of course not. Neither do I. No. Not even a little. It's crazy. Alright, so... We haven't gotten to the sentencing yet, right? No, she gets sentenced 12 years. That's it. So she's... She's just got to testify against Paul. That's all that's left. So... It's done. So but she's done. She's already out then, right? You want to hear? You want to wait or no? That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking. We haven't gotten there yet, right? Oh, no. She's not out yet. No. No, this is just the beginning. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, as time is... She got is, 12 years. Now she's out, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right now she's out. Oh, yeah, right now she's out. Yeah, yeah. So she's out, so... <laughs> I thought you might end the story. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so she's out, living her best life. My God. All the but things she, she did. still has to testify against Paul. Okay, this is important. Okay. Trial of Paul Bernardo was delayed for two years after his arrest. Right. Want to know why, buddy? Want to know why? I do want to know why. Okay. One of the reasons for the delay was that Bernardo had placed his first lawyer in an unenviable situation. Okay. Bernardo had given Murray the videotapes that he and Carla had made of their adventures. Oh. Where were these videotapes, buddy, you ask? Where were they? I'll answer you right now. I'll tell you. Oh, well, thank you. In the house that they searched for 170 days. Really? Yeah. And they didn't find them? You know, like, in your... In the bathroom, they'll have, like, the tile you can reach up above the lights. Yeah, absolutely. There they were. They searched 170 days and didn't find them? This lawyer's in quite a pickle. Yeah. Because he's got these videotapes. Paul told him, don't watch them, but he does. Okay. He knows what's on them now. Yeah. He's, like, literally just eating me alive. I can't talk to anybody about this. I don't know what to do. He's not even a criminal lawyer, this guy. He's, like, a freaking... Tax attorney or something, I don't know. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not yeah. familiar with this. He doesn't even know what to do. However, the prosecutors knew of the videotapes from Carla. Okay. And they wiretapped, I don't know how this is legal, but they wiretapped the conversations with Bernardo. Okay. Eventually, the pressure got to him. And he just gives over the tapes. Good. And stops being his lawyer. He said, I'm done being his lawyer. Screw this. Good. So, the videotapes were turned over to the prosecutors. Okay, now I just want you to understand the, the importance of this, buddy. Okay. If he had given up the videotapes a year and a half ago, they would have never even needed Carla. He had the tapes this whole time. Oh, really? So, this is wall that's going on with Carla. So, if he had just really? given up the tapes in the beginning, they both would they have been both would life have been nailed. Wow. So he has to live with that. Wow. He truly did not know what to do. And I I know that if this is, I, we were talking about this before. If yeah, this was me or you, yeah. I don't care. Consequences be damned, I'm giving over the tapes. I yeah. have a daughter. In this situation, in this situation, in, in a situation like when you put it to me, the way you put it to me, I was like, you know, ethically bound. I don't know where, where I would stand, but in this situation, I would absolutely turn over the oh, tapes. I know you would. I know you I, would. There's, there's no question about it, especially if I watched even that first ep, that first video. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't want these. <laughs> nope, you said that you it scarred him to this day watching those tapes. Oh, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Like, I, I just can't imagine, like, 
you see in movies like people getting hurt and like bad things happening you can see pretty graphic stuff yeah but to actually see real things to a couple just torturing these women torturing them yeah <laughs> urinating on them Ugh. calling them Ugh. names reaping them over sodomizing them over and then not giving them up immediately i just don't yeah. understand it i don't yeah. understand it yeah that's horrible i mean that guy's got to live with it yep. he's got to live with it yep and this woman gets to live her regular life being a vet tech or whatever she's got um i'm assuming she's not a vet tech anymore no definitely not <laughs> she's probably flipping burgers so in may of 1995 not that there's anything against flipping burgers yeah nothing against i i flipped burgers before I never flip burgers. I definitely had some crappy jobs. I actually like a really quick pace. The day goes by fast. Yeah. In May of 1995, Bernardo's trial begins. And the videotapes are a critical piece of evidence, buddy. Yeah, I can imagine. They didn't even need Carla at this point. No. You know what I mean? It's like the jig is up. Yeah. Bernardo faced two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated sexual assault, Two counts of forcible confinement, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of performing an indignity on a human body. Really? That's the urinating and defecating. Yeah. That's not even enough, <laughs> in my opinion. No, I know. I know. It's like, but they have them red-handed. Yeah. If they had these freaking videotapes, oh my God, it drives me nuts. Yeah. That's horrible. Oh. Well, you know, they had to do a little bit of, uh, what's it called, damage control now. Yeah. Because it's out that they gave a deal to this woman. It's done. Yeah. And now they're going through this trial. Yeah. This is a quote. For a public who has been denied access to information revealed at Carla Homoka's trial almost two years earlier, the day-long opening address of lead prosecutor Ray Houlihan was a relentless avalanche of sexual degradation, sexual degradation, brutality, and murder. In painstaking detail, Houlihan described the Crown's belief that Paul had first dominated Carla, reducing her to a compliant victim through systematic physical and mental abuse, then used her to exploit his fantasies in the rape of Tammy Homolka, a rape in which Carla participated unable to shake free of Paul's violent control and scared he would reveal her role in Tammy's death to her parents. Carla then took part in the rapes and murders of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. The Crown Prosecutor, Crown Prosecutor began with a segment showing Carla Homolka naked, masturbating with the camera focused on her vagina. Jeez. It's so horrible. Like, they show these tapes in court. Oh, my God. And then, like, only the jury's allowed to see the, the actual tapes. Oh, I can't even imagine being that jury. But, like, everybody in the courtroom's crying. Yeah. Even the people that just can hear it. They're yeah. hearing these screams for help. Oh, my God. So sad. Like, that, that's oh. your last. It's horrible. It really is horrible. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine being that. Oh. It really is horrible. So the tapes were clearly geared to uh, excite Bernardo. Yeah. Oh, my God. Carla talking about getting 13-year-old virgin for him to rape. Jeez. Oh, what a sick, twisted couple. 
Yeah, it's horrible. Well, it's, it is like I don't know. So they were at least successful in showing the defense that Carla to be completely complicit in this and with no remorse for her crimes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like in the videos, Carla's telling Paul what to do, not oh, the other really? way around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, she's like... She's the mastermind behind it? Yeah. She's pulling the strings. Yeah. So on September 1st, 1995, buddy, Bernardo was convicted on all the charges against him regarding the kidnappings, rapes, and murders of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. He also faced trials in the death of Tammy Homolka and the series of rapes in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Under Canadian law, Bernardo can apply for parole after 25 years in prison. Well, he better not get it. June 21st, 2021, he has his parole hearing. That's not too far off. No, not too far off at all. June 25th. Eight only days f- away. Yeah, I was going to say, that's only a few days. Actually, you're going to be hearing this only a f- like the next day. It's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, for you guys, it'll be <laughs> it's tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow. It's like a time machine. <laughs> That's so crazy. So Tammy moves to Guadalupe in Barbados, like down in the islands. Wow. Good for her. She's living her best life. She's married with children. Really? Good for her. I'm glad she can move on with her life. I don't care if she never commits another crime again. So many people are so mad about this. Like... Yeah. She had to change her name, and then they found out her name. She had death threats against her. It was good. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, definitely good. And she's, like, going and volunteering at her kid's school, and they find out who she is, and they tell her, we don't want you hearing what she had Yeah, to absolutely. I mean, her poor kids, though. I mean, oh, my God. What the? That woman doesn't deserve anything. F. Carla Homoka. That's all I'm going to say, buddy, because this woman is pure evil. She had everything to do with this. Yes. And she got off with 12 years. Yeah, she she's the mastermind behind this, in my opinion. I mean, he's obviously just as evil, but she deserved just as much sentencing, if oh, not yeah. more. Exactly. Like, I really believe that. He would have been a rapist, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I don't know if he would have killed if he hadn't met her. He may have not crossed that line. Who knows? He was just a psychotic rapist. More often than not, rapists just continue raping until I mean, they get caught. If he didn't meet her, he may have he may have raped more. But he eventually would have been caught for the... Uh, the DNA? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. So what do you think about this case, buddy? Pretty angering, right? This is extremely angering and extremely disgusting. Like, I'm disturbed. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to sleep tonight, man. I know, buddy. I'm like, <laughs> can you, like... I watch an interview... Oh, my God. I watched so much. I did so much research for this, show, this episode, buddy. Like, yeah. they, they are doing interviews with him and, like... He's so pissed that she got off with 12 years. Yeah, I could imagine. He's like, all he wants to talk about is like how Carl got off so easy. And like, they they want him to connect him to other crimes. And he's willing to do that. But he wants them to like try and get Carla, but they can't get her for nothing. She got complete immunity against anything that she did while she was with him. Yeah, absolutely. She had that deal signed. She's so smart. I got to give her that. Cunning is the word. Cunning. Yeah. 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 Remove uh, a lot of that and put a T there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really can't believe it, buddy. I really can't believe it. It's just like the other case we did, um, the sex slave murders. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's horrible, man. It really is. Yeah, this was uh, this was one for the books, man. This is uh, definitely a case that, I mean, 
some of them I, 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 not that I didn't enjoy this one, but some of them I'm like, yeah, let's get into this. Let's do this. This one just disturbed me. Yeah. I, I hope you guys, I hope you uh, enjoyed it out there. I really do. But man, I cringed. I, I at, at some points I wanted to stop the episode. <laughs> it's just, words cannot express how this changes a community. Yeah. This changes so many people's lives. Like not not only the the women that died, the girls that died, I should say. Yeah, yeah, they're all. But the young. ones that were raped. I mean, this is like, I can't even imagine. People probably don't even want to talk about this anymore around yeah. there. Oh I yeah, mean, I don't I know, imagine. but I'm just saying. Like, I'm sure they want to forget it. There's no question about it. I mean, and these parents oh, of yeah. Kristen and Leslie are pissed. Yeah. You know, they want blood, which I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. You ain't kidding. And they go to the parole hearings and they beg, they beg them, please don't let Paul out, please. Yeah. And I don't think he'll be released. I don't think so either. But he's like, I'm reformed. He said I did it because I had a low self-esteem. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. How could you have low self-esteem? I mean, you looked like a Ken doll. You, you were just a psycho. Psycho. That's it. Yeah. He was diagnosed as being a sexual sadist psychopath. Yeah. That's the case of the Ken and Barbie killers. Yeah. On a lighter note, folks, I hate to switch like this, but I just can't think of a better way to do it. Buddy and I made a Patreon. Yes, we did. If you want to support us and our work that we put into this, Buddy and I put a lot of work into this. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com and click, look for Murder Incorporated Pod. Right, buddy? Yep, yep. And there's different tiers that you can do. You yep. can do it as low as $4 a month. You could become a Murder Incorporated Associate at $4 a month. Yep. Or a Murder Incorporated Executive at $8 a month, right? Yep. Or you could become the CEO. CEO. Take yeah. over for $18 a month. Yeah, you can get a nice little package. And we will um, be giving gifts with each tier. You get different gifts. Yep. We're going to be releasing episodes that only can be listened to on patreon yes absolutely we're going to be putting videos on patreon that can only be seen on patreon yep and if anybody i don't even know my anybody wants to do one-on-ones one-on-twos with buddy and i yeah. we're gonna have them on there that's right we'll answer all questions on there yep absolutely and it's really just a way to show that you know, you appreciate the show and what the work that we put into it. Yeah, yeah. We really like to hear from you and really like to just know that our fans really appreciate what we do out there, you know? And uh, just so you know, 10% of anything that we make goes to the... Cold Case Foundation. Cold Case Foundation. Absolutely. So. And um, after we donate to the Cold Case Foundation, we're going to find other charities to donate to. Yeah. Yep. And um, this is something that means a lot to Billy and I. We're not trying to get rich here. No. You know what I mean? It's just something that shows us that you appreciate. That's all it is. Yep. That's all it is. Absolutely. You know, more than the money of just be cool to know people actually care, you know, that people appreciate what we put in. It's a lot of work, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I love doing it, and so does Buddy, but yeah. it is a lot of work. Yeah, we have a blast doing it, but we definitely put in a lot of work to it. A lot of work, a lot of effort, and uh, and we'd love to know that you guys appreciate what we do. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So reach out. Yeah. And, um... You know, even if you have anything to say about the Patreon or the episodes, you can write us at murderincorporatedpod at gmail.com or you can tweet us at murderinkpod. 
Yep. Check us out on YouTube. Yep. Or Instagram. Yep. Just search Murder Incorporated Pod. Yeah. That's it. And thank you, folks. Is there anything that um, else that you have, buddy, for anybody today? Yeah. Just uh, remember, don't forget. Tell the ones you hold dear that you love them. I'm leaving that in, too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.